Murat Huznadinov in the NHL by the end of the season, you say? Do tell. We'll also talk about Danila Yurov's timetable today and a statistical anomaly that is so crazy you won't believe it. All coming up on today's episode of Locked on Wild. We are your team every day. You're Locked on Wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, this is Brandon Duham, and this is Locked On Wild. What is happening, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss out on any new episodes throughout the day. Today's episode of Lockdown Wild is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your best bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. On today's episode of Locked and Wild, we discuss the news that was reported by Michael Russo yesterday day that Murat Huznadinov may end up coming to the NHL by the end of the season. We'll take a look at that as well as the uh, latest on Danil Yurov potentially re-upping with his team uh, overseas or heading to the U.S. himself. And we'll talk about a statistical anomaly for Brandon Duhame that is just, it's weird until you think about it. And Brock Faber getting some hardware as well. Uh, That was a first in Minnesota Wild history. So that is a rundown of today's show. My name is Seth Topol, your daily Minnesota Wild insider and credentialed Wild Media member. And want to thank everybody right off the bat. The Sports Podcast Awards finished up their uh, voting and handed out their hardware here today. Uh, unfortunately, Lockdown Wild did not take anything home, but hey, glad to be one of the nominees for podcast of the year in the hockey category. And uh, thank everybody for taking the time to vote and uh, taking the time to listen to us on an everyday basis. We've got some exciting news to discuss today, as it was reported in Michael Russo's latest mailbag yesterday. You know what? I'm just going to read you the excerpt and uh, let that do the talking. The question from Matthew J, who is the next prospect that will make an impact? And Russo responds with the following. Danilo Yurov has star potential, and I'm sensing the Wild may sign Murat Huznadinov after his season ends February 25th, burn the first year of his entry-level contract, and start him right away in the NHL. He has 16 points in 38 games for KHL Sochi, three points in Sunday's game. He can play wing and center and has a ton of pro experience already at 21. So it makes sense for the Wild to get a head start on seeing what they have in him heading into next season. Folks, it may be time that we start seeing part of the big three heading to the NHL by the end of this season. As was mentioned, KHL Sochi is not great. And so there is likely not going to be any postseason for 
uh, HK Sochi, which would mean that you'd be able to get Huznadinov to the United States and uh, get him to the NHL level. And this, this is stamp the greater good button as hard as you can. Because even if the Wild do burn the first year of his eligibility, uh, of his entry-level contract, he still has two more seasons. So he is covered for 2025, uh, 2024, 2025, and 2025, 2026. Uh, so if there is any worry as to seeing what he can do, and then signing him to a subsequent extension after that to be a little bit of a bigger focal point of this Minnesota Wild team going forward. I think things honestly line up nicely uh, in that regard because I actually had somebody ask me this on Twitter, and so I will read through kind of how that was uh, how that was discussed as well. Um, it was Stephen B. Viking King 888 um, asking, assuming who's Nadinov comes over this year and they burn the first year of his deal, will the team be able to re-sign him, Faber, Kaprizov, Rossi, and still be able to get a high-priced free agent after next season? My response, I do think things line up pretty well. Russo suggested in his article that Rossi may be getting more of a bridge deal. So you could have the following taking place over the next few seasons. Brock Faber's extension lines up with Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter being strictly the buyouts, which combined is $1.67 million for the two of them. So those two things happening together um, in perfect tandem because as we talked about yesterday, Faber still has this season and next season on his entry-level contract. So the first year in which his new extension would kick in would be 2025-2026. And again, that is when we are dealing with strictly the Parisi and Suter buyouts of uh, 833K apiece. So those two things line up really well. You look at the rest of it, Rossi's deal, which is expected to be more of a, a moderate extension, compared to what Brock Faber's going to get. His current entry-level contracts will be paying him on the exact same time frame. So he is making 863k this year and next year. So then his new contract would kick in 2025-2026. Guess who's off the books that season? Marcus Johansson. So that works out really well in uh, just keeping everything lined up like this guy's contract takes over for this guy's contract. And the other piece of this, if you look at a potential deal for uh, Murat, who's Nadinov, he would theoretically be on the exact same time frame. And guess who will be in the final year of their deal when who's Nadinov would be due for a payday himself. That would be Matt Zuccarello, who would have one year remaining at that point. And so things, even with these rush to contract extensions, um, things line up relatively well 
in that regard. Now, as far as a premier free agent goes, and we will discuss this in a future episode, premier free agency is not that there aren't going to be a ton of guys available over the next few years, assuming that all of the top tier guys re up with their current teams. There isn't really anything other than a bunch of just old near the end of their um, near the end of their NHL careers type guys. I mean, just to, to peek at it even a little bit, if we go to 2025, 2026, I mean, your best bet is probably Mitch Marner, but who's to say he doesn't resign with Toronto, Miko Rantanen, who's to say he doesn't resign, resign with Toronto. Sidney Crosby will be 37. Nicholas Backstrom will be 37. Jamie Benn will be 35. John Tavares will be 34. That's the top of the list for guys that would be potentially available. Leon Dreisaitl is 29. But again, all of those guys are kind of on the back, the back nine of their career. And then you go one year forward. Connor McDavid, probably, unless something goes even further horrendously wrong for the Oilers, he's 29, Jack Eichel is 29, and Kirill Kaprizov will be a free agent after 2026, uh, after 2025, 2026. But beyond that, it's like Artemi Panarin, 34, uh, Alex Ovechkin, 40, Patrick Laine, 28. There just isn't a ton in the way of like premier level free agents to add to this mix. And so you're better off if you want to retain all of these young players. You're better off doing that and then trying to add an impact player via a trade. But again, I'm not I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because I do actually want to devote a full episode to this. But just just thought it was was interesting how well a lot of these things line up. And what do we know about who's Nadinov? Well, as Russo mentioned, he has been playing in the KHL since 2020, 2021. And so even though he is just a 21-year-old right now, he has been playing in the KHL off and on since 2020, 2021. Cup of tea there. Then 2021-2022, he played 32 games, had 12 points. 2022-2023, he had 11 goals in 63 games and 41 points. And has been playing with HK Sochi this year and has 16 points in 40 games, including 6 goals and 10 assists. So he has the pedigree of playing in the KHL at a uh, similar level with in a similar time frame, you know, in terms of years to where Kirill Kaprizov was at. Obviously, Kaprizov had far more goals and points in the KHL than Huznadinov does, but you're talking about a 21-year-old who looks like it look, if he is if this is what is deemed the best course for him, is to get him a taste this season and work him into the mix going forward. I have zero issues with that because there really isn't a ton to cheer about with this team currently. And there just are so many guys on this team that don't provide you 
they're very much what you see is what you get. And so if you could get a Huznadinov into the mix and get a chance to see him play for the rest of the season and have him be a focal point guy, that would be I I'm all for that because this hopefully signifies that this team is starting to at least get the message as to look, if you're not going to be, if playoffs are not an attainable goal and they're not, then you have to look to what is to come going forward on your roster. So you get Murat a spot the rest of the season and let's not do the, the fourth line nonsense. Like, give him a requisite opportunity to see what he's capable of doing as somebody who is expected to be like a huge piece of this team going forward, expected to be a top six playmaker for this team. Give him an opportunity to be that. If it doesn't work, then you give him an opportunity to take this as a learning experience and use the offseason to get himself into you know more nhl ready shape but you're not going to be better suited playing a guy six minutes a night on the fourth line that you're expecting to be a top six piece in the next few years so if it were me call me crazy i would put at this point I'd put who's Nadine off with Erickson Eck and Boldy because he can play wing too. In addition to center, give him some games with Boldy and Jewel Erickson Eck just to see how he stacks up with those two guys. I mean, Marco Rossi has looked really good with Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello. Marcus Johansson has had way more quiet games than he has actual impact games. And Johansson, I think, ultimately is going to transition into a bottom six guy for this team while the rest of his contract plays out. So give Murat a shot. If he is going to burn a year, treat it accordingly. If you're going to burn a year of his entry-level contract, treat it accordingly and give him a good opportunity to see what he's what he has and more importantly where he's at in his process and yeah if that does end up happening that is vaulting up near the top of the list in terms of things we'll be keeping an eye on here as the season unfolds so you have that as the uh where we're where things are at with who's Nadinov right now what about Danil Yerov? Some interesting things revolving around another top Minnesota Wild prospect. So we will discuss the latest on Danila Yurov as we continue today's episode of Lockdown Wild after this. Today's episode of Lockdown Wild is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. You can go through your favorite bets while the Super Bowl commercials are playing. I've seen a couple of them already. They leak. I, I don't know if I'm a fan of that or not, but 
They look funny from what I've seen so far. And so you can use that opportunity to take a look at the second half over or under. Or who scores the first touchdown in the second quarter or the third quarter? There are no shortage of ways to win big with FanDuel. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel has bets for which player will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. And new customers, if you join today, you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Welcome back to today's episode of Locked on Wild. Once again, we thank you for making Locked on Wild your first listen each and every day. For the everyday listeners, we have the first of our fan guest segments on Locked on Wild coming up for you tomorrow. So we'll chat a little bit uh, with our first guest host of uh, Locked on Wild. We'll reveal all of that for you coming up tomorrow. We'll talk about where the team is at, and we'll uh, take a look into the future as well. We'll talk some uh, PWHL also coming up for you on tomorrow's show. So we know the latest with Murat Huznadinov. What about Danila Yurov? Because there are some interesting things going on with Yurov at uh, this point in the offseason process. Uh, Michael Russo answering a few tweets today because um, there have been some rumors swirling in the Yurov department. And so here is what we've got from Russo. So far, it appears Yurov's team is willing to pay him the equivalent of 330K U.S. money, if uh, Russo is reading the article right. More than he'd make here on an entry-level contract, minus performance bonuses. But I wonder if that's enough to delay Yurov's arrival next year. Uh, And then a follow-up asks, wouldn't he make more on his entry-level contract? Uh, Russo responds, they have indicated one reason they don't mind him signing for another year in the KHL is that he'd likely start in the AHL. Regardless, if this story is accurate, he's getting lowballed. So if Wild fans want him here, this may be a good thing unless they up the ante. And there are reports that one of Yurov's teammates has made a ridiculous ask to something, some number substantially above what is uh, being offered to Danila Yurov. And so if his teammate were to accept that contract, you'd think that Yurov would not be super receptive to signing his contract and making substantially less. This about sending him to Iowa first is in theory okay. But here's the thing with Danil Yurov is that, you know, is there a big difference between what he is currently competing against and what he would be able to learn in Iowa? I mean, it is certainly possible that he gets a good opportunity to just kind of get his feet wet and adjust before you turn him loose and expect him to make major impact on the current NHL roster. 
But I at this point, I am perfectly fine with if guys are ready to rock to just give them opportunities to uh, make a big impact on this roster. Like you've got who's Nadinov that is going to be on his way over here. You've got guys like Vladislav Firstov, Liam Ugrin, who can also give you uh, some impact to the roster as well. Like you, you have this pipeline that is going to just be able to give you more and more to make it so that you have to rely less and less on the guys that are not getting it done on the NHL roster. And so if it ends up that Yurov starts next season in Iowa, I would not be surprised if he doesn't finish the season in Minnesota. And so if he gets lowballed by the KHL, why not just get it started? Because if you get over here earlier, you in theory put yourself in position to get the double dip. Like if he if he ends up being a an A-list prospect and lights it up within the first within his ELC, then you can do what Brock Faber's likely going to do. And you can sign that max eight-year deal, get to about 28, 29, and you still could uh, could make an impact with a second contract after that. It, it, I, I'm not going to lie. It, it is hard to keep track of these off-season or these overseas contracts because it seems like the flow of information is not super reliable but if if this ends up being kind of a a slap in the face to Danilo Yurov I say get him over here and you can give him the early part of the season to just get accustomed to what is going on at the AHL level once he starts to really take off at that level which I would imagine he would be able to do rather quickly Get him up to the NHL roster because it is very clear that you just do not have a wealth of talent on this current NHL roster. And so the more guys you can fill in, and yes, that means you're going to likely lose players like Pat Maroon, Brandon Duhame, uh, Connor Dewar to fill those roster spots. But then you have to reciprocate by pushing players lower in the lineup that have less skill. And maybe this is the plan all along was to have your fourth line be players such as Marcus Foligno, Ryan Hartman, Freddie Goudreau. But if that was the plan, why would it be? Why do you have such an expensive fourth line? I, I don't know. It just, it seems like every route we go, we go back to questioning why all of these extensions were signed in the first place, because we don't want to impede the flow of these big three prospects that are going to be the ones that make up the next core for this team. 
you've got your Kaprizov, Boldy, Faber, Erickson Eck that kind of make up your inner circle as of right now. Well, if these prospects pan out, Yurov, Huznadinov, Liam Ugrin, they're all going to be in that mix as well. And then that is the group that you build around for your window of contention um, to truly say, okay, we got what we need now. Let's really take a run at it. Because I want to talk about uh, this notion as well. I saw this on Twitter the other day. You, If you have a player that is the franchise, like the cornerstone of your franchise, you want your window of contention to match the prime of their career. And so you want to build pieces around that franchise player that are also in similar sets of circumstances, which is why you see so many times teams just trade prospects because the window for those prospects is three, four years down the road. And so the Minnesota Wild, as of right now, Kirill Kaprizov is in what would be considered his prime or is is working his way into what would be considered his prime. And unfortunately, the uh, the Wild are not ready to contend as of yet. And so you end up looking to that next group of Faber, Boldy, Marco Rossi, and who's Nadinov, Yurov, and probably Liam Ugrin. And you try to get as much of that group going here in the next couple of years and build pieces around those guys. And that is your true window of contention. So if you want like a number as to when we could expect this team to actually like legitimately go for this and not just have to like tread water. I would say just throwing this out there a few years and allowing time for the likes of all of these prospects to have a couple of years to get adjusted and to um, get some seasoning at the NHL level. I'm thinking your true window of contention probably starts between 2026, 2027 and 2027, 2028. And so if Kaprizov signs another deal, that's going to be another topic coming up here in um, the next week or so. If he signs another extension, he becomes um, a critical piece of this next contention window. But getting players like Yurov and Ugrin and all of them acclimated first, that's your new number one goal. And how does that get achieved? It gets achieved by getting them into the lineup over the next couple of seasons. So you can see if that makes sense. I hope it makes sense. Otherwise, I may have just spent most of an episode just talking in absolute circles. But that then is where, okay, so it's not going to be right after the Parisi Suter uh, contracts turn into the buyouts but it's going to be a year or two after that, if that makes sense. 
Um, that's that's kind of where that's kind of where things are at as I read them. But it is nice that we're starting to get more rumbles that these guys are going to be making an impact here sooner than later. And flip side, if you want to show Kirill that you have something worth staying around to be part of, those three guys are the those are the ones that are going to do it. Yurov, Huznadinov, and Ugrin. Those are the three that are going to convince him whether or not he wants to stick around. If they get to the NHL level and they perform well and they surprise, they impress, they show that they're ready for it, then he is probably at least going to shift more towards staying um, than just straight up leaving once his current deal is done. So those guys hold a fair amount of sway as to how things go here over the uh, the next three, probably three years, three to four years. They've got a lot of sway as to how things are going to turn out. So we'll continue to talk about them. We'll continue to keep an eye on them as um, they get closer to making an impact over here. But I want to finish today by talking about something that uh, I was scrolling through and came up across that is just strange. And uh, we'll talk about that as we continue today's episode of Locked on Wild after this. Final segment of today's episode of Locked on Wild. Once again, we thank you for making Locked on Wild your first listen each and every day. If you'd like to be a special guest on a future episode of Locked on Wild, Email LockedOnWild at gmail.com. We'll get things set up. We have uh, our debut of uh, Wild Fan Spotlight coming up for you tomorrow. And uh, we've got another Wild Fan Spotlight that we are recording tomorrow afternoon. So we've got two this week. We've got a couple that are coming up next week. So just keep them coming and uh, we will get you on the show and get your voice heard. Uh, as to what you think of where the team is headed, where they're currently at. Uh, we'll touch on a lot of different things for these uh, Wild Fan Spotlight episodes. Did you know that Brandon Duhame is having a, uh, from a statistical standpoint, it's just weird. Just listen to this. Brandon Molesky of K- KFAN tweeted this out on January 30th. Brandon Duhame has played 100 games the past two seasons and has two assists. How is that possible? Two assists in 100 games over a two-year span. That I had to double take when I saw that. It just seems odd. But then you think about it. He finished last year with just one assist. He has one assist so far this season. What would be the reasoning that a guy had so few assists over that long of a time period? Well, number one, Duhame is a speed burst type player. And so a lot of times when he is getting the puck, it is when he's flying up to the front of the net and therefore is likely the last guy to touch the puck when he flies in, gets a shot on net, 
you're not going to slow your momentum by trying to pass to somebody else. And so Duhame's speed, I think, is a big part of that. Think about where a lot of his goals have come from. He Duhame scores on the penalty kill, has in the past. And a lot of times those opportunities are breakaways or two-on-ones. And so, again, not a ton of opportunity to be able to pass in those situations. And the fact that your fourth line is not asked to score, frankly, at all on this team is another reason as to why there are so few assists. But I like it. I liken what Duhame does to an NFL receiver that catches long touchdown passes. Like, is your speed burner guy that gets over the top of the defense, hits home runs, doesn't have a ton of catches beyond that? It's not as though the talent isn't there or that a player's not particularly good at their role. It's just that he is mostly a speed asset. And so if the opportunities present themselves for him to go score, it's because he either picked up the puck and flew into the offensive zone, speeding past opposing skaters and just kind of taking it upon himself, breakaways or shorthanded opportunities, two-on-ones, those types of things. Duhame is also a net front guy when he's out on the ice quite often. And in those instances... You're parked in front of the net. Your main objective is to collect rebounds and tap rebounds in and be focused on shooting at the goalie as opposed to trying to find somebody else along the perimeter for the puck. So it just is a weird stat. But when you look at it and you think about a little bit what goes behind it, it makes a lot of sense. So just wanted to share that statistical oddity that I saw and finish by giving a big round of applause to Brock Faber, who was named the NHL's Rookie of the Month for January. Faber ended the month with 13 points, 11 assists in January, and in fact, was the first player in Minnesota Wild history to be named the NHL's Rookie of the Month. First player in franchise history to do so. So as if things could not be going better for Brock Faber at this point, now he adds that hardware to the mix. So congratulations to Brock Faber. Hopefully we get one or two more of those before the season is done. And then maybe another rookie award that uh, we have been talking about quite a bit here over the uh, last few months. That is going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Wild. Again, we thank you for making Locked on Wild your first listen each and every day. Make sure to hit the like button before you uh, close out of today's video. And make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episodes throughout the week. We've got new episodes for you every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked on Podcast Network.